said, uh, so when we'll get Miss uh, Katie to play the piano. And I told Brother Kevin, I said, what a great opportunity to you know, get in there. Oh, yeah, 21st, that's what I'm looking at. Men and ladies Bible study, all right? 21st, that's coming up Monday. Uh, so uh, please don't forget about that. And then, of course, uh, there's a pickleball thing for the men, sports night on the 25th. See Brother Elias about that. And then it goes back to the 26th on uh, the uh, ladies sewing. Men, if you want to sew, I guess you can just show up. Okay? Anybody interested in that? No? Y'all are awful quiet. Y'all okay? Are you all right? Good. Uh, when you sit up here, you got to be ready to go, all right? Uh, and one other thing, we've just put this on the bulletin board today. Um, we're going to take a, a, a group we for to see Esther, the uh, theatrical play in Branson at Sight and Sound Theater. Uh, that's going to be October 19th and 20th. Uh, we're going to leave on the 19th and go see the show and come back, spend the night, come back on the 20th. Uh, we'll have some more details about that, but there's a sign-up sheet out here. It's got the, uh, the cost of the room and the cost of the, the uh, tickets for that. If you've never been to a sight and sound uh, theatrical play, they do a great job. I've been and saw them do one about the Lord. They've done one on the... Uh, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, they've done one on Samson, and I've seen, and they, they do a really good job with that, uh, and not only that, but they give the, uh, uh, a gospel presentation at the end for folks that may be lost, and uh, I mean, they're right up front with it, and so anyway, so uh, we're going to uh, take a trip uh, down there on the 19th and 20th, again, the cost is on the bulletin board, please look at that, uh, if you want to don't have all the money all at once, start giving it, and we'll put it in there. Make sure you put that on your envelope. I've already heard Miss White talking about that. Some they are going to start giving a little bit at a time until they get it taken care of. And uh, so you're more than welcome to do that, but you need to make sure you designate it. And we, uh, we'd like to have a good group, and uh, we need 15 to uh, get the group discount. So... Uh, but sign up. You'll really enjoy it. That's a Thursday and a Friday, October 19th, 20th. Sign-up sheet's out here, so uh, take a look at that, all right? Uh, uh, I want you to look at your prayer sheets now, and, and let's, um, let's please. We, got, we have several folks that are not feeling good. Uh, Brother Shelton called uh, uh, this morning, and he's... He's down again. He was doing pretty good yesterday, but he kind of had a relapse, he said. So we need to pray for him, uh, that he gets to feeling better. Miss Rachel is not feeling good. Uh, Brother Will is not feeling well. Uh, I mean, we've got a lot of folks that are several that just aren't feeling good. So uh, we need to pray for them, that the Lord will, will help them and, uh, and just kind of bring them back to health so we can get everybody back. From my understanding, I, 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 some folks thought the rapture took place this past Sunday. Are y'all with me? Hey, are y'all with me? Say amen. Yeah, let's not let that happen this week, okay? And uh, so please be back. Let's, let me encourage you to call our folks and text them or whatever it takes, and let's contact them. Uh, this week, between uh, today and Saturday afternoon, let's contact everybody that we can and uh, encourage them to be back in their place this Sunday. Uh, let's uh, just, uh, in, in fact, 
just to let them know we're praying for them, if nothing else, and uh, shoot them a text, let them know you're praying for them. If they feel bad, I, I know that they would appreciate that. When uh, the old saying, if you miss and are not missed, you will miss. All right? Y'all are awful quiet. They say, y'all okay? Reggie, you all right? Okay, all right. Well, y'all help me out, okay? But uh, your prayer list is there, and so please, let's uh, take these home and look those over. I mean, there's several on here that just haven't been feeling well, and uh, even those that we've just mentioned as well. So please uh, uh, lift them up in prayer, all right? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, uh, and, and let me say one other thing. Just uh, pray for my mom. She's doing good. She had a, a mild stroke uh, the other day. And uh, she's, uh, it affected her speech somewhat. She's having a little difficulty swallowing. And uh, she's having to have a little help walking. So, But she's in a, uh, a therapy place. It's, uh, they're working her over. They got her up and around about three times a day. Uh, so, But I ask you to pray for her, and I would, I would certainly appreciate that, all right? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, your goodness to us. I'm thankful, Lord, that... Nothing that we have mentioned uh, this evening, Lord, about those that are sick, those that have, are having health problems and things of that nature. None of these things have taken you by surprise. And, Lord, you knew it was all coming. And, uh, God, you have a plan. And, Lord, I, I pray, uh, God, according to your perfect will, that, God, if it be your will, that, Lord, that you'd please raise these up. God, I think of Brother Shelton, Miss Rachel, Lord. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking of Brother Dennis and Miss Susie, of Miss Erica that are here tonight, Lord, as well. Uh, Father God, I pray tonight for, uh, for Brother Gary Lund and for Miss Mary. Uh, Lord, for Mom and Dad, Lord, that you'd please be with them. And uh, Lord, just many others, God, who's dealing with some health issues, Lord. And, and Father, I pray, dear God, that you'd please, again, just uh, touch them in, in their physical bodies. Lord, you made them, and you know... Uh, God, what's wrong, and you know what they need. So, Lord, I pray, and I ask you, dear Father, to please, uh, uh, God, just raise them up. Lord, I pray that you'd help us that are here tonight, uh, God, to reach out to our folks that uh, were not here Sunday. And, and, Lord, we'll be an encouragement to them. Let them know that we missed them, Lord, and we're looking forward to them uh, being back this coming Sunday. Uh, God, I pray that you'd continue to send visitors, Lord. I'm thankful for the... Uh, the family that came this past Sunday and visited, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd please move in their hearts, Lord, and they'll be back along with the other visitors that have been coming. Uh, God, I pray that, Lord, that you'd please open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing, Lord, that there'll not be room enough uh, to receive it. God, I pray that your hand will be upon this place. Lord, I, I mentioned Brother Will, Lord, who's also not feeling good, and I, I pray for him tonight, but I'm thankful, Lord, for uh, Miss Katie and Lord for Brother Kevin who has stepped in Lord to take care of the leading the music and playing the piano tonight. Thank you God for uh, folks that are uh, just step in and serve Lord and I'm, I, I'm, I'm just thankful and blessed Lord and I, I appreciate that. God I pray that you'd be with our people tonight. Help me to rightly divide your word of truth Lord and stay in the context of your holy scripture and and, uh, Lord, may you be glorified in all things. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this offering. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, that it's from you whom all blessings flow. And, God, may we be mindful of that and give back that small portion, Lord, that you ask us to give. And, 
God will be mindful to give you the praise and give you the glory for it all because it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. number 157 I'll fly away amen it's a blessing to know that one day I I will be in heaven with Jesus First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 18, we're back in the life of David. First Samuel 18, if you find your place, if you would please stand in honor of reading God's word. And we'll begin reading in verse 22 of chapter 18 and we'll read down through verse 30, all right? Might turn me down. This seemed like a little loud, Brother Wujin. Uh, chapter 18, verse 22, found your place. Say amen. 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 And Saul commanded his servant, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? 
And the servants of Saul told him, saying, Oh, this manner, on this manner, David uh, spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but an hundred foreskin of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, and the days were not expired. Wherefore David arose and went, he and his men, and slew of the Philistines two hundred men. David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full tale to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, to wife. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after uh, they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. Father, I pray that you'd please bless the reading of your word. Uh, Thank you again for our folks that are here and faithful tonight. I pray, God, that you'd bless, and Lord, that you'd help me again to bring the message, God, that you've laid upon our heart. And God, I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. See if you agree with this statement. God never told us in His Word that serving Him was going to be easy. You agree with that? Say amen. Yeah, God never told us that. But He has told us that He would deliver us out of most of our trouble. What? Oh, yeah, that's what He said. He said that He would deliver us out of all our trouble, not most, not some, not the majority, but all of our troubles. Uh, and it, but he didn't tell us that serving him was going to be easy. Serving God is not going to be easy. Amen. Uh, and the reason I think we think that is because we forget that we're living in a fallen, sinful, and depraved world. Are we not? Yeah. Uh, sin has made a junkyard in a lot of ways uh, out of God's creation, uh, both in the earth and in people's lives. That's what sin has done. God didn't, God didn't make it this way. It didn't start out like this. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, and I've, I've mentioned used this analogy before, it's kind of like uh, somebody seeing this, uh, you know, you've been to uh, like a demolition derby thing, you've seen those? It's like taking one of those cars and putting it out on the lot out here and selling it like it's a brand new car and somebody coming up and saying, man, I don't know why Detroit turns out a car like this. I mean, look at this. I mean, why would uh, Detroit send a car like this off of the assembly line? Well, listen, God, uh, Detroit didn't send it out like that. Man did that to that car. Well, listen, God, the same way, didn't create this world like a, like a pile of junk, in a sense. He created it in a beautiful way, without sin. Everything was perfect. And then he took Adam and he put, it, put him in it. Man has made a junkyard in a lot of ways. Even with all the beauty that we still see, listen, man has still, in a lot of ways, made a junkyard out of, out of God's creation. Well, sin has also done that in the lives of people. God didn't start us off like this. He made us perfect. I mean, we were made in the image of God without sin. Uh, but Satan 
duped Adam and uh, made him, you know, and Eve believed that there was something better than what God had given them. And so it, it, we've come this far as a result of sin. Well, uh, for David, serving God has not, you know, it's been the same thing. It's been difficult in a lot of ways. Uh, but God has chosen David to be uh, the king of Israel. And since the point that God chose him, uh, he's had nothing but trouble. And you can go back and, and read where up to this point where we've come. Adversity has been David's constant companion. Seems like every time he turns around that he's bumping into trouble. Well, when we left off the, the, in our last lesson, uh, Saul has tried to kill David. In fact, Saul has tried to kill him twice. And we wondered, you know, to me, I'm wondering, how many times does it take for, you know, somebody to try to kill you that you get the message? You know, you, you, you have to go back. Well, David is giving Saul the benefit of the doubt, and he's trying to do the right thing. Well, now, as we pick up where we left off in verse 17, David's problems continue. Uh, notice the first thing we see in, in chapter 18, and, and look down there, verse 17, it says... And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter, Merab, her will I give thee to wife, only be thou valiant for me, and fight uh, the Lord's battles. For Saul said, Let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. Well, Saul is going to use two of his daughters to try to kill David. How sad. That, that a father is going to try to use a, and manipulate a situation to try to get his way because he is outside the will of God. And the first, first thing Saul does is offer uh, Merib or Merib uh, uh, to marry, offers her to David uh, as, as a wife. Now Saul, remember, he's been unsuccessful in trying to kill David. He's thrown the javelin at him. And now, since that didn't work, now he's going to try to kill David through offering his daughter in marriage. And, and, now, and watch this, I want you to see it. Uh, Saul offers his daughter, but there's a catch. And notice we're going to read it here in verse 18. David, the Bible says, must show himself valiant in fighting the Philistines. Saul figures that David, he's going he's to try to prove himself to Saul. He's going to try to prove himself worthy of marrying the king's daughter. And so he, in trying to prove that, he's going to take a risk that maybe he would not normally take in fighting against the Philistines, and, and Saul is, is wagering that when David does that and fights the Philistines, that he's going to wind up getting killed. He's thinking, man, this is, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use my daughter as a pawn. Now look in verse 18. David, he responds in a humble way. Look what it says. And David said unto Saul, who am I? And what is my life or my father's family in Israel? that I should be son-in-law to the king. Now, David, as we've already said, he's, he's acted wisely and he continues to do that. And, and, you can, and you can see, again, what Saul is trying to do by what he says to David in verse 17. But David acts in the right way. He said, man, who am I that you would ask to be son-in-law to you? David has already proven 
that the battle is the Lord's. He's already proven that, listen, it's not him that's doing the fighting. That's God's the one that's doing it for him. And can I tell you again today, listen, it's the same way today. How, why is it that we in this flesh try to fight our battles in, in of ourself? God's gonna, God will do that for us. We've just got to make sure that like David, that we stay in the will of God for our life. If we will do that, God will fight our battles for us. And listen, and when God fights our battles for us, listen, you will always win. Amen. Look in, verse, look in chapter 17 and look in verse 45 and verse 46. And we go back and we see, remember what David said. Uh, it says in verse 45, it said, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Listen, God still fights battles today. He's still on the throne. The same God that fought for David will fight for you and I. Listen, God said he has no respect to a person. You believe that? Say amen. So God will fight for us. But there's a lot of people today who try to impress. Now watch, like Saul, watch what Saul's doing. He's saying, David, be valiant for me. And notice what he says in the last part of that. And fight the Lord's battles. You know what he's saying? You do this for me in Jesus' name. You follow me? Yeah. And there's a lot of people today who try to impress other folks by mentioning God in a speech or, I mean, you just wait when, the, when all these candidates start going on and trying to, uh, you know, for whatever office they might be running for. I'm telling you, somewhere, some of them are going to start telling you what kind of a Christian or godly individual they are or they're going to talk about prayer. You know what they're doing? They're trying to impress somebody. Well, I'm telling you, God's not impressed. Uh, and a lot of people today try to mention God in a speech or they carry their Bible to places when they don't really care about the Bible. Well, this is exactly what Saul is doing by mentioning the Lord's battles. He's, you know, you go fight for me in Jesus' name. You know, he's trying to, he's trying to look real pious about it. Well, watch this. Wickedness will always, think about this, Wickedness will always decorate itself in religious apparel when it's trying to deceive somebody. Let me say that again. Wickedness and evil will always decorate itself in religious apparel when it's trying to deceive, always. But David, he handles it in the right way. Look in verse 19. But it came to pass at the time when uh, Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Maholothite, to wife. Now, I mean, what, you know what's going on? Saul went back on his word. Saul is completely out of the will of God, completely. Why, listen, God help me and you as Christians. We, we ought never go. You know why uh, sometimes people go to a... a uh, a Christian who's out of the will of God for advice? Yeah, because they're going to tell them what they want to hear. 
They're not going to go to. They're not going to go to somebody who's serving God, who reads their Bible on a on a daily basis and has prayer and devotion time with God. And and, and listen, they're not going to go to that person because listen, what they tell them, you know, it may be a little condemning. May make them realize that they're I don't know out of the will of God. Well, Saul, think about this. Saul goes back on his word. And people like Saul cannot be trusted. Now that gets awful quiet. They can't be trusted. Saul's plan, what? Saul's plan from the get-go is murder. It's not, it's not uh, marriage. Saul is thinking, man, I'm, I'm just going to offer up my daughter, but David's going to wind up getting killed fighting the Philistines, and all, it's all going to be good. Well, well, Saul can't be trusted. But folks, listen, we need to realize, and, and listen to this, you can't get tricky with God and come out ahead. You can't do that. You know, we try to manipulate God and we do things and, and we do it in the name of the Lord and do it in Jesus' name kind of thing. But listen, God sees through all of that. He sees the very intent of the heart. He knows. And Saul is doing the exact thing. And, what, and so what Saul did is a really an injustice to his daughter, Merib, when he didn't allow her to marry David. Now, if you go to 2 Samuel chapter 21, and you can go there later and you write this down because Merib's children were later killed by the Gibeonites by the order of God through David. What a sad thing that is, but it all started because Saul was trying to manipulate God. And since Merib didn't work, look in verse 20 and 21, Saul has another idea. It says, And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Please, please Saul. And Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the, one, in, uh, in the one of the twain. Now watch, Michael loved David. Are, are y'all, y'all seeing that? Michael loved David. And, 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 and Saul offers uh, her uh, to, to David to, to marry. I mean, and so the Bible says they go to Saul. Now, this, that's the right thing to do. David and Saul, or David and, and Michael, they loved one another. And so they go to Saul, they go to, the, to her father and let him know, hey, we're in love and we want to get married. Well, Saul's not interested in that. Saul isn't interested in, in his daughter's or, or David's happiness. All he's interested in is David getting killed. It's amazing how when people uh, are, are, who are lost or people, Christians who are out of the will of God, how their mindset changes and how their thinking process changes. You know, they get on a, they get on a path, and, and I'm telling you, it is a grease plank headed for trouble. And it doesn't matter what goes on. They know what's right. They know the, 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 what God expects out of them. But it does not matter. They want their way at all costs. That's Saul. Saul is that person. Look in verse 21. It says, I will, Saul says, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Saul 
is a master manipulator. And he's willing to destroy, watch this, he is willing to destroy the life of his daughter in order to get his way. How warped is that? How bad, how sad that is that a father will manipulate his daughter in such a way uh, in order just to have revenge against another man. I mean, but now, it it doesn't happen right away. And, And by the way, you read this, years later, Michael did bring... Uh, uh, grief to David, but she wasn't the snare uh, that that Saul wanted her to be at that moment. She she did though, a, a, as a result, become a snare to Saul later on. But in verse twenty-two, notice what it says: Saul sends some servants to tell David that Saul liked him. Uh, I'm telling you, Saul is really in deep. Uh, and he tells his servants, I want you to go tell David this and this and this and tell uh, David that I like him and um, I want him to be my son-in-law. And I mean, Saul is laying it on thick. Now look in verse 23. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Sameth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed. Now watch this. This is important. Uh, We're noticing that that Saul, again, he's trying to uh, uh, snare David and trick him into getting killed. And and so uh, he says, listen, but David, uh, he doesn't have any wealth. He doesn't have anything for a dowry to give a king. And he's saying, listen, my family's poor. I don't have anything to give. So how can I be a king's son-in-law? Well, Saul knew this. It's amazing when you think about it, that how Saul is trying to manipulate this whole situation. Saul knew that David, that his family was poor. He knew that David did not have a dowry to give. So Saul makes a second offer to David in verse 24 and verse 25. Look what it says. It says, and the servants of Saul told him, told Saul, on this manner David spake. And Saul said, uh, uh, Thus shall you say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but an hundred foreskin of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So the, I guess you could call it a bride price. The cost of marrying Saul's daughter, Saul says, you kill a hundred Philistines. But David, but he's not going to, you know, let David off the hook that easy. He's not going to say, you just go out here and kill 100 Philistines. Come let me know that you killed him. No, that's not what he says. David's got to prove it. So Saul says, here's what you do. In order to prove that you've killed them, you, uh, uh, you come back and you present the foreskins of these 100 Philistines to me or to Saul. Well, just a note here, I want you to see this, that what's going on is this is giving Saul an opportunity to look religious, okay? It's an attempt of evil to be done under the guise of religion because the Philistines were pagan. And so so Saul is saying, David, if you do this, it's really a a religious exercise. And, And you just make sure you bring their foreskins back to me to let you know we're doing this in the name of God. Well, listen, how pious is that? How pious is that that sometimes that people do things and they do it in the, the guise of religion, but they have, listen, but they, there is no spiritual benefit to it whatsoever. Saul is doing the very same thing right here. 
But David, notice what he does. Saul's thinking, and then he's got to kill 100 Philistines and bring 100 foreskins back. And Saul's thinking, you know, there's no way he'll do it. He's going to, he'll die trying. Well, it doesn't happen that way. David goes out with his men, and he don't kill 100. He kills 200. <laughs> and to me, that's, a, that's just an amazing thing how God works. God, listen, when God fights for us, the battle is decisive. It's not something where we have to wonder if did God do this for us? Or no, listen, I want you to understand when God fights for us, you will know that God won the battle for you. He he always makes it a decisive matter. And and we see it right here in, in David when he kills. 200 men, he did over and above that which was required of him. And can I tell you, that's exactly how you and I need to do when it comes to the things of God. When God asks us to do something, God help us not to just stop at the bare minimum. Let's go over and above. Let's be that two-mile Christian and where God says, listen, when the Romans ask you to go one mile, then you go two. That's the way every Christian ought to be. But we live in a day where we just want to get by with a bare minimum. And and I'll just throw this in here because this last week I preached on stewardship. It's kind of like when you make out your tithe check. $31.21. You follow me? Why can't we round that up to $32? I mean, what's what's 80 cents? You know, listen, if we're tight with God, God's tight with us. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Well, David goes over and above that which is required. And so Saul, lit watch, was forced in this way to give his daughter in marriage to David. And and so look in verse 29. Notice the result of it. David goes out and kills uh, 200 instead of 100. In verse 29 says, And Saul was yet the more afraid of David. Why? What's Saul got to be afraid of? The only reason Saul is afraid is because he is so far out of the will of God and he knows it. He knows in date, listen, when a Christian is out of the will of God and somebody that's in the will of God is around, they are always a threat. Because the Bible says the ways of the righteous condemn the wicked. And let me say this, if if you are a born-again child of God and you can get around lost people and them feel comfortable about being around you, then something is wrong. Listen, a, a, a Christian out of the will of God getting around godly people, it ought to make them a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Saul is, he's afraid. Let me go on. Let me read the rest of it. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David It says, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Now, can I ask you, what did David do to Saul? Absolutely nothing. Not anything. But in Saul's mind, David is going to be his enemy for the rest of his days. But listen, but watch this, which means that Saul is going to be permanently opposed to God. You say, well, how do you get that? Because David is God's chosen king. And if, they, and if Saul is going to oppose God's choice, then Saul is going to be in opposition to God himself. Do y'all see that? Amen. 
the best soldier that Saul had was his enemy. The one that ought to have been his friend, David, watch, David should have been in Saul's court. But if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 22, turn over with me. I want you to see this verse. 1 Samuel chapter 22, and look in verse 9. Remember, David is uh, Saul's enemy. But instead, Saul, he becomes good friends with a wicked man. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and look in verse 9. It says, Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab. And he inquired of the Lord for him. And you keep going and read. You'll find that Doeg became Saul's friend. Doeg is an evil, wicked individual. You, 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 go and, you, you can finish reading it. David was the one that should have been Saul's friend, but instead Saul chose a wicked guy by the name of Doeg. Do you understand a lot of people today choose Doeg over David? I mean, a lot of people choose friends. Watch, the Israelites, what did they choose? They chose Doeg or Barabbas instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, uh, the, the king said, who shall I release unto you, Christ or Barabbas? And they said, release unto us Barabbas. You know what they did? They chose a wicked individual. Well, listen, God help us as Christians today. When it comes time to choosing friends, let's choose a godly individual to help us. Why? Because the Bible says iron sharpens iron. We need to make sure that we run with somebody that will help us to be a better, stronger Christian. Those that you spend the most time with are the ones that are going to influence you the most. And so here's Saul. He chooses this Doeg to be his friend. But you say, well, what did David do? Well, um, if you read in, from chapter 18 on to verse 20, uh, chapter 22, You'll find that David continued to win battle after battle against the Philistines. He became more successful than any other military officer. And David's name, you read about it, he, it became known more and more throughout the land. It, he became a heroic warrior. He became highly esteemed. He became highly acclaimed by the people. And all he's doing is what God has told him to do. You understand that when we do the right thing, the Bible says God will even make our enemies to be at peace with us. It didn't mean they'll like us, but it, mean, it said they'd, they'd be at peace with us. Listen, Saul wanted his daughter to be an evil influence uh, to seduce and corrupt David. He wanted her to influence and encourage David to participate in false worship. And, and, and But watch, but, but that did not happen. He hoped to destroy David's testimony through his own daughter. But the, and, and by the way, this is a warning for anybody who's looking for a husband or, or a mate nowadays. We've got to make sure we choose the right one. I thank God for my wife and for not allowing me to mess up. I had every opportunity to mess up. I mean, think about it. We got to be careful who we choose. Not only that, but we got to be careful who we choose to run with, even with our friends. And we see this in Saul. And listen, spiritually, think about it. We, we are to be separated from the world. But Saul, getting involved with Doeg, he just wrapped himself up in the world and allowed guys like Doeg to influence him, even in a more evil way. 
Folks, if there's one thing that our world needs today, it's some good godly influence. We've got to be careful. I've been on the phone with preachers today who uh, that that uh, are that I've known for a long time, and but they're associating with with other preachers who don't, don't align with them. And I I told I, I was telling uh, one preacher I said it's like being married and holding your wife's hand here, and and all the time having a girlfriend and standing here looking at the, looking at a, at a girlfriend. Listen, what is what is that? Well. Preachers today got to be careful who we align ourselves with. And just like Christians, you can't stand here and claim to be one thing and hold hands with somebody that's not a King James preacher or someone who's not a conservative, independent, fundamental Baptist, listen, without it influencing you. And, I, I, and it's, it, it's frustrating. It, and it ought to frustrate you today. But at some place and some point as Christians, we got to say, listen, I can't do that. Are y'all still here? Say amen. amen. We've got to draw that line. Saul did not do that. Listen, we live in the world. Amen. I mean, we're in the world. We have to work with in, in ungodly places. And, but I'm telling you, but we can still be an influence. I was talking to my sister and uh, her daughter and husband, he is a, uh, a, a manager for a, different, uh, for a different company. And he's standing talking to a, he's a manager of this place. And he's standing talking to a customer. And somehow they got started talking. And, and the customer asked him and said, uh, well, what ver-, somehow they said, what version of the Bible do you believe? Well, he told them. He said, I believe that I, I stand with the King James Bible. Well, there was another customer on the other side. Heard him. This, that very day, uh, two customers, not this one, but the one that heard him and the one over here, one called and said, hey, the manager of this store, the store called to the main office and said, I heard him cussing. Uh, I, I heard him cussing a customer in the store. And another one, this one that was over here, called and said, hey, I heard the manager talking to a customer about Jesus. And so the supervisor, district supervisor, called him up and was telling him about it. And, and uh, both of them had a chuckle over it. And he said, listen, which one is it? Did I cuss them out? Or did I tell him about Jesus? He said, you can't have it both ways. And I thought, listen, that's exactly the world that we live in. Listen, God help us, but when, you know what? When the time comes, God help us to stand up for the right thing. Saul didn't do that. There, and there's far too many uh, Christians today who participate and they're active in, in, in the world and the things of this world. And God said we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And if we're going to influence people in a godly way, then somebody has to stand up on solid ground. Amen. Um, instead of looking at the world through the eyes of Scripture, a lot of folks today look at the world through the eyes of, of ungodly leadership. And God help us not to do that. Saul is in trouble. Look, look, in, look in verse 30. We read verse 29. Saul is afraid of David. 
Saul became David's enemy continually. That was Saul's choice, by the way, not David's. It says in verse 30, Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass. Uh, they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. Now watch this. Notice it says right there, Then the princes of the Philistines went forth. Exactly right. Now watch. What David did, remember he killed 200 Philistines. What David did made the Philistines mad. You get it? You know, listen, it made them mad. Why? Because he killed 200 of their people, 200 of their soldiers. Listen, anytime you do a number on the devil, listen, he's going to attack. Anytime you try to stand up for the right thing or you do, the, do your best to do the right thing, I'm telling you, you, and you poke your finger in the devil's eye, I'm telling you, listen, he is not going to take it sitting down. He, and this is what happens. Anytime you begin to see people get right with God, anytime you begin to see people surrender their lives to serving the Lord, anytime you see the lost get saved and baptized, then you might as well get ready because the devil is going on the offensive. Anytime a church starts having a sweet spirit, anytime a church begins to have visitors, anytime a church begins to see things happen and take place, listen, the devil will do anything he can to infiltrate that ministry. Central Park Baptist Church included. You say, preacher, what do we do? Stay prayed up. Stay close to the Lord so when something like that does happen that you will be able to discern it. And all God's people can say, amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, The devil's going to step up. He's going to get angry. And what David did here, watch, is is uh, even today is used against him. Uh, All of what he did, and and I want you to get this, uh, and and many fail to realize is this, that, um, that the enemy will destroy us if we don't destroy them. I'm not talking about going out and killing somebody. That ain't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just simply standing on the Word of God. Listen, this book, we're, we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit Sunday. Right here it is. The sword of the Spirit. It's an offensive weapon. And it will not only deflect the, the, the wiles of Satan, but it will also it will inflict a deadly blow to the falsehoods of this old world, to the wrong teachings and doctrines of, of, of ungodly preachers that will stand in places like this and preach philosophy instead of the doctrine of the Word of God. This book will set them straight. And it's our responsibility to know it. I've, you know, I've, uh, I was talking to somebody today. They said, I want you to teach me how to play golf. And the first thing I thought was, oh, no. <laughs> I said, why do you want to learn to do that for? <clears throat> and, and they, you know, I said, well, they said, because I, I, I think it'd be fun. I said, well, I enjoy playing, but I said, I want to, when I play, I want to win. And, and, you know, and I've worked at it over the years, but in order to be good, you have to forget about everything else. You can't think about anything. You can't think about you can't think about the problems at home. You can't think about the chores you got to do. You can't you, all you all you can think about is hitting that ball, if you want to be good at it. 
And you know, and I got to thinking about that. Listen, folks, if we want to be a good Christian, this is all we can think about. You cannot weigh yourself down with the things of this world and be the kind of Christian God wants you to be. Listen, we have got to take the time to spend in the word of Almighty God. God said to contend for the faith. You know what that means? Stand up for it, fight for it. We don't have to be militant about it. We don't have to sing, you know, when we stand up for it, we don't have to be, you know, look angry about it. Uh, But listen, but we can stand for it. Look in verse 30 again. It says, and it came to pass. No matter what the world may throw at us. In fact, no matter what those who are out of the will of God may throw at us or say about us. Look what it said. Look what David did. It said that David did what? Read it to him. Behaved himself more wisely. Listen, David started out behaving himself wisely. And now all this stuff is coming against him. And now God said he behaved himself more wisely. He took another step. And he said, if the, if the world are, and I'm just paraphrasing, if the world's throwing all this stuff at me, the, my best uh, uh, offense is to, is to behave myself more wisely, to be more in tune with the things of God, to be more in tune with the church of God, to be more in tune with witnessing, to be more in tune with the word of God. Listen, behave ourselves more wisely. Don't let the world get to you. Saul became a liability to the nation of Israel because he behaved wickedly. David, on the other hand, was a value and an asset to the nation of Israel. I do not want to be a liability to the cause of Christ. I, I don't. You say, well, how do I do that? We gotta, one, you've got to make sure you run with the right people. Then you've got to make sure you read the right book. Our King James Bible. You got to make sure you spend some time on your knees. I heard a song the other day. I was outside doing something at the house, and and I like to listen to bluegrass gospel. And I don't remember the song, but I remember a phrase in the song, and it said, "It's hard to stumble when you're on your knees." And I thought, "Hey, that's pretty good." You know, a lot of people stumble. A lot of Christians stumble. And the reason they stumble is because they don't spend enough time on their knees. Saul was just that person. He'd forgotten about God. And he got in the flesh. And it's going to ruin him. It already has to this point. But he's in trouble. God help us to spend some time on our knees so that we don't stumble. Father, help us, Lord. Uh, Speak to our hearts. And God, I... I'm thankful that I serve a holy and a righteous God, a God who loves me.